0: Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman.
1: Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm going to talk about three key elements to growing your business with integrity. I'm going to talk about the importance of disarming in our conversations with clients. I'm going to discuss a new variation on the elevator pitch, referred to as the same side pitch, and how we uncover that. And then I'm also going to discuss the case study format that we'll use to actually build the greatest amount of trust on your website. Now, first, when I talk about the notion of disarm, what I mean is this. Our knee-jerk reaction when a potential salesperson approaches us and says, may I help you, is no thanks, just looking. And this is a question that I ask audiences all around the world. And the answer I get in terms of why people give that reaction is they say, you know, I just, I don't trust this person. They're looking out for their own interest. They think that everybody's a potential customer of theirs, even if they're not. And it's a darn shame. But what that means is that we have to disarm the notion that we're just there to sell something very early in the process. And If you really evaluate all the potential people you'd like to do business with and look at the ones you actually end up doing business with, what you'll discover is that less than half the people you'd like to do business with actually end up being a good customer of yours where money changes hands. So this notion of being able to disarm is something that actually is not a Jedi mind trick. It's not deceptive. Instead, it's all integrity-based. And the premise behind it is really just being totally transparent that says not everybody's a good fit for us. Now, on my website, we have a section that says problems we solve. And under that, we say who might not be a good fit for us. And it's interesting how much attention that gets on the website. So if you go to growmyrevenue.com, if you go to the problems we solve page, you'll see that information. And really what we're trying to tell people is, look, not everyone's a good fit for us. And once again, it's not some you know, brilliant tactic. It just happens to be true that people who are okay being the low bidder are not likely to get attracted to the types of concepts that I teach. So how does this disarm piece turn into a new version of an elevator pitch? So typically when people give an elevator pitch, the gist is that they're giving a 15 to 20 second spiel about what it is that they do. And in the research that I've done, I've discovered how executives make decisions. And the way they make decisions and approve decisions is pretty simple. They first look at what problem you solve or why they need it. Then they evaluate the likely results or outcome they would receive from investing in whatever it is you're selling. Then they kind of evaluate what their alternatives are. So what problem you solve, why need it. What's the likely outcome or result? And then why you? Problem that we have when people give their typical elevator pitch is they say, oh, here's what we do. So for example, if I was a law firm, I might say, oh, we're a full service law firm with offices in these three locations. Uh, and, and my joke about that is that, look, what are you competing against partial service law firms? Is that the way people are marketing themselves? I mean, give me a break. That doesn't tell the intended recipient anything. So we want to take a half a step back, and I want you to think about what problems you're really good at solving for your customer. And my good friend Bob London refers to these as elevator rants. In essence, the idea is, what's the rant, what's the complaint that your ideal client might be facing that would convince them that maybe they should consider an alternative? So let's say that you're somebody who's selling technology services, and you're selling a piece of software, and you have software for for accounting. And I just had this discussion with somebody at a conference I was speaking at this past week. Their CFO was in the meeting. This was, a, this was a conference where I was speaking about sales, and the CFO happened to be in the meeting, and they said, oh, she's really tough. I said, okay, we'll see. So I asked her, I said, okay, so what is it that you really struggle with? She said, well, uh, what I really struggle with is from an accounting side, it's reconciling all the different um, billing codes that we have and tying that back for invoicing. And I said, okay, so when someone calls you up and says, hey, I want to talk about our accounting software, does that capture your attention? She said, no, I get those calls three or four times a week. I just ignore them all. And I asked her, I said, well, what would have happened if someone called up and said, you know, our clients come to us typically, and these people sell um, a healthcare um, product, Healthcare service. I said, what if they said, look, our healthcare clients contact us when they're just drive they're just driving themselves nuts by trying to reconcile all these different billing codes. And for the right clients, they tell us that we make that problem go away, but not every client is the right fit for how we approach that. So I don't yet know if it would help you, but if that's something you're facing, I'm happy to learn more to see whether or not we can help. I said, How would you respond to that? And she said, Man, I would set up that meeting in in a New York minute. I mean, I, that's someone I'd love to meet with. And that's the format of the same side pitch. So the idea is this, is that first we have to get in touch with our elevator rants. So for example, if you offer outsourced IT services, the rant your customer has is not, wow, I wish I could find someone that does outsourced IT services. That might be your dream rant, but no one's ever saying that. So what I want you to think about instead is you're on an elevator, right as the doors are about to close, someone pops their head in there, the doors spring open, two people get on the elevator representing your ideal client. And they're complaining to one another the entire ride up to the 30th floor about something that when you hear it, you think, man, nobody is better at solving that problem than we are. We're the best people on the planet at solving that problem. These people are lucky they got on the elevator with us because I can make that problem go away what would it sound like in their words that would tell you, man, I know we can help them? So in the context of outsourced IT services, it might sound something like this, where someone says, man, I'm sick and tired of us losing billable hours and having to explain to our clients why we missed a deadline just because our systems aren't reliable. You know, our people tell us they're working hard and that they got a handle on this thing, but the reality is that our, our servers just keep going down we're losing more and more billable time. And if this keeps up, we're going to lose a lot of business. So if that's their elevator rant, then your pitch would be this. So in this case, its organizations are losing billable time. So now I tie in that pitch and it sounds something like this that says, our clients come to us, typically professional services companies, law firms, accounting firms, and the like, when their systems are not reliable, and what that's leading to is they're losing a lot of billable time. Their their people are frustrated, and they're having to complain. They're having to explain to their clients why they keep missing deadlines. And if this keeps up, they know they're going to lose a lot of business. For the right organizations, they tell us our approach to solving that fixes that issue once and for all. But not every client. This is the this is the disarm part. Not every client is the right fit for how we solve that issue. So I don't yet know whether or not we can help you, but if solving that is important to you, now we're triggering the discovery phase, I'm happy to learn more to see whether or not we can help. What that does is it changes the whole dynamic, because if you're someone facing that problem, which group do you hope you're in? The group we can help or the group we can't? So in this notion of the same side pitch, remember what we want to focus on is first, what are the elevator rants? And you don't need to have just one, you'll probably have six or seven. And there's some keys to this. The first thing is that it's got to be something as your client would say it in their words. Don't put it into marketing speak. Don't think to yourself, wow, how do I make it sound more elegant? Get it as close to the raw text as your client would share as you're comfortable doing. Then what you want to do is you want to test that with other people and make sure that you're talking about the consequences of those different rants. What I mean is if all I had said was, well, our systems are down, that wouldn't have a high sense of urgency. But when I say I'm sick of having to explain to my customers why we've missed deadlines, I'm sick of having a loss in billable time. Now, all of a sudden, I'm associating that with a real consequence that would be a catalyst for somebody spending money. Because remember, if the problem you're trying to solve is more important to you than it is to your customer, then you bring your wallet because you're going to have to pay for it. And that's not something most of us want to do. So the notion of disarm is, is this area of focusing on the fact that not everybody is a good fit for you. And the same side pitch uses that concept of disarming to entice somebody's interest, to disarm the notion that we're just there to sell something, and then trigger a discovery phase to learn more about their situation. Now, here's some of the things that people get uncomfortable with. They'll say to me, yeah, but Ian, shouldn't I start with a discovery? Why don't I just start by saying to somebody, hey, what keeps you up at night? And that's something that we've all at one time or another been taught to say. Hey, what keeps you up at night? But your client might give you an answer that candidly you can't solve. So they could say to you, you know, actually, the problem is we just got a puppy and the dog licks himself all night. You got a solution for that? I don't think so. So we need to make sure that we're focused on the kinds of things that we can solve. So by starting with Entice, we get to set the stage for the two or three things that we're best at solving. Then we disarm the notion that everyone's a fit for us. And then we trigger a discovery phase learn more about their situation. And when we do this right, our clients want to be in the group that we can help. That's really a key element. The other side is people will say to me, look, you know, I'm not comfortable saying that not everyone's a fit for us. Well, get comfortable with it because it happens to be true. And unless you tell me that, you know, every single client in the world has always been a perfect fit for you, you've never had a toxic client, then guess what? Not everyone's a fit. So now I want to talk about the idea of a case study because a lot of times we try to create evidence on our websites that make our customers comfortable with doing business with us. And the typical case study format I see follows kind of an old school approach that says, well, here's the situation the client had. Here's all the cool stuff that we did to fix their problems. And aren't we so smart? And aren't we so amazing? Man, we're so cool, we don't need air conditioning. Then we talk about a brief sentence or two about here's the results the client got. And if you need more information, be sure to contact us. There are a ton of flaws with that approach. First, it's talking about us more than our customer. And let's face it, a good case study, who's the hero? It's the customer. It's not you. You're not the hero. You don't want your company to be the hero. You want your customer to be the hero. Then what we want to do is we want to shift this whole model to be aligned with how customers make decisions. So remember, how do customers make decisions? And this is research I've done across 5,000 CEOs and executives around the world. And what it comes down to is people want to know what problems it solve, why do I need it, and what's the likely outcome or result. So what I'm suggesting is let's change our case study into that format. The format would be you start with here's a high-level concept of this client organization. Here's the specific issue they were facing inside their organization, and here's the impact associated with them not solving the problem. Here are all the consequences to their organization that this problem presented to them. Then if you want to have one sentence that says we help them, that's fine. But it better be in the context of, wow, we're so fortunate that these people were smart enough to get our help. Because remember, the client has to be the hero. Then I want you to talk about the results and outcome that the client received from that advice or from that solution that you provided. So the format becomes, here's a little background of the business. Here's the problem they were facing. Here's how that problem was so darn important to them. Here's why they couldn't live without this thing. Here are all the consequences they hadn't even thought about, about why this is a big deal to solve. Then here's the outcome or result they got at the end of the day. And so if you think about it, what are we talking about there? Well, we start with what problem did we solve? And then we give the justification as to why they needed it. Then we talk about the likely results or outcome. But what don't we include in there? Well, there's two key things we don't include. One, we don't include a detailed description of the solution. And the second thing we don't include is we don't include a call to action that says, for more information, contact us. Now, I'll start with the second one first. The reason why we don't talk about, oh, please call us if you have any questions, is because anybody stupid enough to not figure that out isn't someone you want as a client anyhow. More importantly, if we say, oh, and if you want more information about our services, contact us, we just dismantled all the trust we built. Because now someone reads that case study and says, oh, this is all just a veiled marketing piece. Instead of, we're just being helpful Now, if you want to say, look, if you have any questions about anything in this case study, feel free to reach out to us. That's fine. But don't say, oh, for more information or to contact us about how we can help you, because now it just sounds like a salesperson instead of someone who's creating valuable information. That's the first part, which is actually the second part of why we don't want to include that call to action. The other thing that, that you noticed, which is the first piece I mentioned, is that we don't describe what the solution is. And there's two reasons for that. The first one is that we might describe our solution and say, oh, this client needed this thing, and guess what? We came in there and we we organized everything they had in these blue file folders. And the person reading it says, oh, I hate blue. And now they're focused on the wrong stuff because you brought up something they had a bad experience with that has nothing to really to do with your solution because you could use any color. But once you specify it, they say, oh, it doesn't work for me. The second th- side is that someone says, like, your solution might include, let's say, uh, Microsoft SharePoint. And you say, oh, and we use Microsoft SharePoint. And someone had a bad experience with SharePoint. And they say, oh, if they use SharePoint, I hate SharePoint. I had a bad experience with it. Well, it might be that the other vendor didn't know what they were doing, but now you've kind of already skewed their perspective because of their past experience that you didn't know about. Most importantly, the reason we don't talk about the solution is because if we talk about the issue that we're helping them solve, and we talk about how that was impacting their organization, why it was so important to solve and what the results and outcome happened to be, then the person reading it, if they're having that same issue... They read about the impacts. They say, wow, I hadn't even thought about that consequence. We probably have the same thing. And then they see the solution. So now they've seen what problem it solves, why they need it, and what the likely outcome result is. And what you left out is the results. Or rather, what you left out is not the results. What you left out is the solution. And the person who's interested is going to pick up the phone, or they're going to email you, and they're going to say, how'd you solve it? And that's when you need to have some restraint because your answer at that point is not to say, here's how we solved it. Your answer is to say, ah, what about that case study inspired you to call us today? And get them to talk about their situation, their issues, to see how you can help them achieve that result. And keep in mind, in each instance here, what we're talking about is this notion of disarm. So disarm becomes the the thread that ties through all this. Because when that person calls up and they say, how'd you solve it? And you say, well, what inspired you about this? And they say, well, I mean, just we have the same situation. I mean, so how'd you solve it? And you say, you know, I'm flattered. But just because this was the right solution for this other client doesn't necessarily mean it's the same one that we would use for you. So I don't yet know whether or not we can help. Would it be okay if I learned a little bit more about your situation before I jump into a potential solution? And that way, we're going through a diagnosis to understand their condition before we start talking about our solution. So the notion is disarm. First and foremost, we need to make sure that we're not assuming that everyone's a good fit for us, because candidly, they're not. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of what I think you can use to apply to your business from this episode. First, the notion of disarm, I can't emphasize enough. Don't walk in there with the assumption that everyone's a fit for you. In fact, acknowledge that not everyone's a fit for you, and your job is to find out whether or not there is a good fit to see whether or not you can help. Then, follow along with the same-side pitch of entice, disarm, and discover. So that you're first enticing with the things that you solve with dramatic results. Then you disarm the notion that you're just there to sell something by acknowledging that not everyone is a good fit for you. Then we trigger a discovery phase to learn more about their situation to see if we can help. When you're using a case study, what you want to do is start with, here's the issue the client was facing. Here's how that was impacting their organization and all the ramifications of that. And then here's the result they had in the end. And that way it will entice somebody's interest and they'll know to contact you if if they want to achieve similar results. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. So if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's a guest you think I should have on the show, just drop me a note at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer.
0: Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at Grow My Revenue.